Welcome to the Advent with Faith Radio podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. We're really being intentional this year for Advent. You can celebrate with us by joining each week for this podcast, reading the Gospel of Luke with us, and participating in the great giveaway. You can find out more information about all these opportunities at MyFaithRadio.com. the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. For the next four weeks of Advent, we're bringing you an episode a week of one of the four themes of Advent. And this week, we are talking about love with Carmen LaBerge. Carmen is a nationally recognized speaker and teacher and blogs regularly at Reconnect with Carmen. She is also the host of Faith Radio's Morning with Carmen LaBerge. Welcome, Carmen. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm so glad you said yes. This is so fun. (laughs) It is so fun. Thanks, Angie. Is Advent something that you usually observe? either now or growing up? So yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, I have really fond memories of Advent calendars, um, (laughs) of lighting the candle each week on the Advent wreath, like that being something that, you know, happened in church and, um, and something that I remember bringing, you know, bringing home at one point. Um, Having, so here's one of the things that we did when I was a kid. Um, the characters of the nativity did not, you know, like all appear all at once. Mm. Um, they appeared over the course of Advent as we as a family read their particular story, and then they would get added to the crush on the mantle. And so, um, you know, Jesus didn't get added in until the very, um, you know, until the morning, until Christmas morning, but all the other characters were added in along the way. Um, so, yeah, definitely something that um, we did as a part of the routine or the rhythm of our family growing up, something that I have tried to cultivate, you know, as a rhythm in our home mm-hmm. using age appropriate devotions or activities, definitely a daily Advent reading plan, you know, and all of it is about anticipating the Christ of Christmas. So um, yeah, a birthday cake for Jesus on Christmas, all those kinds of things. Yeah, something fun I found this year is that Lego makes an Advent wreath. Like out of Legos. I mean, they've got the Advent Lego calendars. Okay, I'm now Google. I'm googling that right now. It's. I okay. should have looked try up the try number. Stay, Lego try number. Stay, try, I'm gonna try <laughs> stay, stay focused. I think on it's what we're number four zero four two six. But I had to drive down to the Mall of America to get it because everywhere is sold out. But the Lego oh. store at the Mall of America had it, so I went down there and got. Well, I bought. Ended up buying two of them because I've got two boys, and same thing. Like I want to be really intentional about Advent in our family. And trying to find ways for them to be involved. Also, I really love Legos myself. <laughs> okay, that's so fun. I'm Googling. Lego City has an advent calendar. 60268. Yes, yes there are a lot. And they've got a oh. Harry Potter one. They've got um, Star Wars. They've got lots of different advent oh, calendars. So yeah, it doesn't really look very Jesus-y, but okay. No, no, we but digress. so there's this, but they actually have like the wreath with the little candles on it. I see that. I Isn't see that, that so fun? It's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> I mean, my boys are 12 and 15, so it might be more for their mother than for them. That's okay. But... You know, here's the thing. They're now at an age where they, like, get that, and they're like, okay, let's do this for mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's totally do this for mom. But hopefully it'll contribute to the habit that I'm trying to build in them of really observing this time of Advent and preparing their hearts and getting ready for Christmas, not just the hustle, and then all of a sudden yeah, it's absolutely. Christmas. No, I think that's so important. And I think that, you know, doing it in ways that 
Well, one of the fun things uh, that I've experienced as like our kids have gotten older, but we already have grandkids, um, is that the older kids actually love to do the little kids stuff mm-hmm. and having little kids around gives them the excuse to do it again. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Well, this week we're going to be talking about love. So I would love to hear about how you have experienced love in your relationship with God. So I knew you were going to ask me this particular question. So I gave this some thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is a big question. And the, you know, sort of the end of the story um, is, you know, I experience the love of God every single day because I'm redeemed in my relationship with him through mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And so, you know, now I can answer this question and say, oh, I experience the love of God as my companion and counselor and guide and healer and teacher and friend. Um, but how I got there, I thought my maybe would be encouraging um, for listeners as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, initially, um, you know, I wasn't aware that the love that I was experiencing was the love of God because I was experiencing it as the love of my parents. Mm. One of the things my mom likes to tell um, is that when I was little and would do my prayers at night, I would, you know, I would, I would pray um, and I would thank God for my mommy and daddy. And for my other mommy and daddy and for my other mommy and daddy. (laughs) Somebody asked my mom once, they're like, doesn't that like hurt your feelings? Aren't you sad? And she's like, no, I am thrilled that my child is so like comfortable and appreciative of these other people in her lives, her godparents, our neighbors down the street who Mm -hmm. take care of her after school because my parents both worked full time, that I experienced all of that as familial love. And, And all of those people, you know, I mean, I can now look back and say we're operating out of a genuine love of God in Jesus Christ being extended to me. And so I think that my first experience of love um, was through the relationships of my parents and these other godly loving adults. Um, I certainly experienced the love of God through church along the way. Um, The first church that I have a memory of um, when I was very little and then other churches you know, since then as safe, joyful, and welcoming places, the love of neighbors. Mm -hmm. I actually went to sidewalk Sunday school when I was little. Um, I went to a backyard Bible study. I went to a Seder meal with the Teppers. Um, Lori Tepper was my best little friend in elementary school, and her family was Jewish, and Mm -hmm. they invited me to share a Seder meal with them, and I experienced the love of God in the midst of that. That is an amazing experience. I mean, I think that's something that every Christian should do. Because it brings to life that converse, that that prayer of Jesus, take this cup from me. You Then you yeah. know, once you do the Seder, you know what that cup is. You totally do. And that empty chair that's always yes. at the Seder meal. Mm-hmm. Um, like that that chair's not actually empty. Like I no. get that. Like mm-hmm. I get that God has, has answered all of that. Um, but at the time, you know, you're just like in awe of the way that these these people, the Jews, um, experienced the love of God over centuries through very difficult times and, and places and spaces. And mm-hmm. Lori's um, grandparents at the time were both um, Holocaust survivors. So, you know, they've wow. since, you know, you know, um, left this world. But um, there, there were some experiences along the way where I was exposed to the way God has loved his people with a steadfast love that endures forever. And and so I can look back now at some of those um, at some of those experiences and say, I definitely experienced the love of God in in all of that. Now, in terms of receiving the love of God in the gift of Jesus Christ, that's something that happened for me at a Young Life camp um, when I was 16. And I fully 
embraced and received the grace of God offered in Jesus Christ as just the greatest gift. And and every moment since then, Angie, I can say that, you know, on the good days and the bad days, through very difficult experiences and wonderful experiences, I have recognized that all of it happens in the context of a love relationship with God. Hmm. I love that. Well, and something, too, that I was thinking about when you were talking about being a young child is that you were experience, you were just experiencing it. You weren't trying to label it. Yeah, I wouldn't have had words for it. Right. And I think this is why, you know, it grieves me so deeply when little children do not have the kind of experience that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we have people listening right now who have a lot of childhood trauma and they did not experience the love of God through the familial relationships that they had when they were very small. And they didn't experience it through a local congregation and they didn't experience it, you know, through neighbors and friends. And, um, and I, that grieves me. It grieves me Mm -hmm. that we culturally bear so much testimony against who God is, um, not through our words, but through our deeds and the way that we treat the littlest, the least among us. Right. It is. That's heartbreaking. I mean, if you think of, of, of someone not being loved, it's really a child that is probably the most heartbreaking because how can you not love a child? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then how do you see love play out in the Bible? All right. You might have to bear with me. This mm-hmm. would be, this is going to be a long answer. So because love, love as a theme in the Bible um, is yeah, It's just a small everywhere. question, Carmen. <laughs> yeah. It's such a small question. So, um, so I'm going to frame it this way. I'm going to describe um, the theme of love developing in four movements. Um, And then the first one would be love as the nature of who God is. And the second will be love as the command of God. And then love as the gift of God. And then love as the fruit of those who love God. The fruit, you know, the fruit in the Mm -hmm. life of those who love God. So we'll start with God as love. Um, Obviously drawn from 1 John chapter 4, but but exemplified throughout the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. You know, God is love. And so any and every time that love— as a word, as a concept, um, as an expression, any time that it is reduced to anything less than the fullness of the depth and breadth and radiance and glory and magnitude of God himself, then it is a love that is misunderstood and misrepresented in the world today. Hmm. Um, and I think that culturally, that's a really good conversation for us to be having. Um, if if any time we see love, I mean, love is fang- frankly reduced on Valentine's Day to mm-hmm. something less than the fullness of of God's glory and, and radiance. Um, but love is reduced in lots of other ways as well. I mean, we have made an idol of love, failing to recognize that God is actually love itself, if we right. were to, um, you know, take the time to settle in there. So First John chapter 4 is where I would invite people really to turn and spend some time um, on on this, and it connects the love of God then to the command of God. So I'm going to read a portion of it. First John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. 
If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected within us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he, as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, well, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So I know it's a long passage, but it really does um, have everything in it from the nature of who God is as love to the command to love, to the gift of love in Jesus Christ and then and the Holy Spirit and then um, and then ultimately how that is walked out as a fruit of the spirit of love in the world. Well, and it's such a big commandment because that that love isn't the, I'm going to give you a Valentine squishy, feel goody kind of love. It's a sacrificial love. That's the kind of love that God has for us. And so that I, I think that's something that we always need to keep in mind too, that it's not a warm fuzzy but it's a it's a sacrificial and it's that's a huge commandment then it's a huge commandment to, yeah i mean to, you know to be told to love in the way that god loves right i mean i don't know if you've ever been like you know told to love your sister or your brother when you're feeling un, you know not particularly loving um toward them but you know that's hard to do mm-hmm. uh, and so you know the the gift of the holy spirit is obviously required in in all of this in order for us to do that and, and that you know isn't that great that god who is love and then commands us to love then gives us everything that's necessary for the fulfilling of the command like that's grace right that's just total yeah. grace <laughs> you know like love each other and mm-hmm. then oh in order to love each other let me give you everything that's necessary to fulfill that command um i suppose that that maybe for me is the connection um, to Advent and Christmas, you know, it is the love of God that comes wrapped in human flesh, mm-hmm. lying in a manger, nailed to a cross, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, coming again. Um, I know that this week we're reading Luke 20 to 24, might seem like strange readings for the week of Christmas, but um, that babe that is wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger is none other than, you know, Christ the Lord, Um And it is in Christ that God has demonstrated his love, that when we were yet sinners, he died for us. Like, that's love. Mm -hmm. Love is is the one who has come down in order that love might be lifted up upon a cross, in order that um, we might live, like we might be restored to a right relationship with God. It's just extraordinary. That is extraordinary love. Um, And it's a lot to unwrap. So, Uh, Luke chooses to share in the stories of this particular week these really ordinary people who encounter, I mean, the astonishing love of God that's walking around in the person of Jesus. Uh, And I guess I would hope that this week people would spend some time with those characters, um, spend some time 
you know, walking on the road to Emmaus. Like, what is that like to have the Lord of the universe open up to you everything that the scriptures have to say about Can you him? even like, imagine, like, and how they right? talk about how, <laughs> did you not feel it burning in your heart when he was talking and teaching us the scripture? It, yeah, that it's, the, I can't even, I can't even yeah. imagine. So, well, that story is one of our family's favorites. And we actually, um, in our, in our communal prayer, like if we're out to dinner as a family, which obviously in COVID we don't do very much, but um, uh, but this is, has been one of the practices of, of our family. Um, you know, they bring something to the table, right, to, you know, a basket of bread or some rolls mm-hmm. or whatever. And we very conscientiously in that moment break the bread and hand it to each other and say, may Christ be made known to others in this place as we break this bread together. Mm. Just recognize that even the way that we eat together, even our table fellowship as a Christian family in public is a witness. Mm. I love that. That's, that's really powerful. I, I also keep, and I, okay, so I was, I grew up in the early nineties. So DC talk and love is a verb. So I keep thinking about how, keep thinking of that song that love is a verb. It's a, it's an action. So I, I love how you're being, you're, you and your family are being so intentional about that. It is even loving to the people around you in the restaurant to be cognizant of your behavior and your conversation at your table. Yeah, absolutely. And our treatment of one another. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of the service uh, and the yeah of the people yeah so well okay so one of our other like table practices this doesn't have anything to do with advent but it is loving <laughs> i think um so uh you know they always come to the table after well when they bring the food and and then they'll say okay is there anything else are you okay and i, and I will say okay so i'm just going to let you know we're going to ask god's blessing on this meal and we would love to be able to lift up a particular prayer concern for you yeah, what kind I've of never reaction been, do you get? Yeah, well, I've never been. Only one time has a person like, um, like declined, mm-hmm. but then later on came back and said, "I actually did think of something. Could you could you do that now, like middle of the meal?" Wow. <laughs> um, other times, um, I mean, n- n- uh, one time I I might have phrased it and said, um, "We'd love to include you in that," and the person set everything down and reached out their hands. Wow. And we literally like circled up right there and had a prayer over the meal and for our um for our server. Um almost always it is a prayer um for something going on in their family or mm-hmm. in their financial situation. That seems those seem to be the concerns that dominate um when you ask, you know, how could we specifically pray for you when we're asking God's blessing on this meal? Yeah, and that brings to mind you just never know. You never know what's happening what's happening with your server, what's happening with the cashier when you're going through the store. That to to recognize them, to let them know that you see them, you hear them is is such a loving act that will go beyond what you think it might go beyond. It might mean more than you think it would mean. So here's an Advent idea for people, um, because I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of like door-to-door Christmas caroling this year, mm-hmm. um, you know, COVID. Um, so we have, a, we have a family that likes to sing. We sing badly, but we like to sing. <laughs> and so um, Matthew asked if we could still go Christmas caroling. And so here's how we're going to do it. We're going to crank up the tunes in the car. We're going to roll down the windows, and we're just going to carol away. And... I mean, right? We're just going to sing yeah. in front of people's houses in our car, <laughs> I guess. 
They'll come to the windows and, and be like, what is going on? Yeah, what are they? Well, oh, and then they'll be like, oh, it's Laberge's. <laughs> um, but I just want people to maybe have a little more freedom of spirit this year in terms of expressing the love of God for the world. Um, you know, put up those lights and be a bright, shiny expression of the love of God to the world. Don't be, um, don't be afraid this year to express who God is and how he has loved us and do so in ways that other people can um, see and ask about and ultimately receive. Because I do think that the world is really primed this year for the good news of the gospel. Mm-hmm. People are wanting it. They're needing, they're needing that hope. They're needing that love. They're needing, they're, they're looking for it. Yeah, absolutely. Cause we're oh, all- Hey, I should, I should mention that in addition to being, the nature of who God is as love and the command of God, first and greatest commandment, you know, when Jesus is asked, what, what is that? He says, well, it's the same as it's always been. It's the Shema, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And then he's very quick to add, love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and then God gives us everything that's necessary for the accomplishing of his will in that we would uh, be people who love. So it is listed as the first of the gifts and the greatest of the gifts, if you want to you know, read about that. Paul talks about uh, the gift of love. And then um, Paul also puts love at the, uh, you know, at the top of the list in terms of the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So here I'd be referencing Galatians chapter 5, right? Um, There's this walk-off conversation in John's gospel where Jesus is uh, talking with Peter. This is post-resurrection. And they're on the beach and, um, and Jesus says, Peter, you know, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And he maybe is referring to the fish and he may be referring to the other disciples or, you know, we don't really know exactly what he's referring to. But Jesus gives him a threefold, you know, question and Peter answers. And then Jesus really gives him a threefold command. And it is to love in tangible ways. Demonstrate the love that you have received um, to others. You know, give that which you have received. And so this um, this idea that the first fruit of those who are invested with the spirit of the living God, that the first fruit of that, the first evidence of that to the world would be love. Mm. And it would be the kind of sacrificial love that Jesus has demonstrated um, to us, the, this love of God that pours itself out for others. So I just want to encourage people, you know, that love is uh, not just who God is. It's also who we are called to be as people who are um, invested with the spirit of the living God. And I think it's an important practice too to to be tuned into the Holy Spirit's leading of how is God asking you to love the person in front of you right now? How do you hear? I guess I'm taking us a little off topic, but that's okay. It'll be related. Um, how is it that you or have you ever had an experience where you feel led to do something for someone in front of you that would be loving to them? Oh yeah, I mean I that's that's probably an every moment of every day kind of thing if if I take seriously mm-hmm. the command of Christ, right? So um it is an act of love for me to not cringe in the laundry room when people have piled up their laundry and not done it for themselves. Mm. Okay? So the it is an act of love for me to go to the grocery store and get the groceries that, you know, are needed to make the food to feed my family. That's an act of love for each and every one of those individuals. It's an act of love to go pick a kid up from school. It's an act of love to um, 
you know, stop on my way down the road when I see my neighbor struggling with her groceries. Um, it's an act of love um, to pick up trash that someone else dropped on the ground. Now, I have a, I have a particular view on this. Picking up trash, right, could, you could feel like you, you could feel real anger and angst towards the people who put it there. Mm-hmm. Or you could just in every moment just, you know, let Satan know you're throwing him in the trash can. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, you're not going to defile God's good creation in this way. You're not going to, um, you know, ruin my day and ruin the days of others by trashing up God's good creation. I'm not going to let you do that. You know, and so I'm going to be a part of the redemptive act um, I am going to sacrifice this moment of my time to do what I think Jesus would do, which would be throw the trash away without hating the person who did it. Like, right? There's So it, I, I think that the love, the, it's not love is an action. It is a verb, um, but it's motivated out of a spirit. Mm. And so yeah, I, the, the short answer to your question is yes. I think in every moment I can either use words that bless or use words that curse. And in that I am choosing to love or not love. And I can certainly choose actions that are loving. They will, they will also be self-sacrificial. And that might be the good evidence that they are the love of God in action. Well, yes, yes. And I think sometimes when you, at least in my experience, maybe I should just speak for myself, when I have felt that the the Holy Spirit is prompting me to do something loving for someone, my first reaction is, well, that's crazy, and I'm going to look mm-hmm. crazy doing that. And I've come to learn that the crazier it sounds, the more likely it is from the Lord. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, no and doubt. Do and that I th- thing. And, well, and I think as we mature, the um, the more quickly we move over that um, self-conscious hurdle. Mm-hmm. The hurdle of, of self-awareness and self-consciousness. Like, I think that, I think there's too much of me, still, there's still too much of me if I am resisting the spirit in that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and I will tell you, Angie, in my experience, um, the only, the only things that I consciously remember are not the obedient acts of love along the way, of, of which there have been many. I only remember the times I resisted, and oh, they haunt me. I hear that. I, can, yep. I mean, I can mm-hmm. call them to mind. I know the times and places, the people, the faces, when I did not do what I knew in the moment was the loving thing. It would have been self-sacrificial. It would have taken some time. And, I, and, and those experiences haunt me because you can't go back. You can't go back and do the loving thing and you because know, you missed the divine appointment that God set. You, you just missed it. Right. And I think it's a process, too. I, Yes, I, I remember all, actually, I remember all the stupid things I've said too. Um, but I, um, I think it's a, it's a process. We should absolutely be obedient and be gracious to ourselves in the process. We should be listening and, and, and have a heart ready and a spirit ready to be obedient to what God is calling us to. And sometimes I think it starts out small saying, okay, Lord, I, I, I want to hear you and taking those small steps of obedience and doing those things, even though it feels crazy. And like you said, the the farther you get down the road, the more that you've grown in that, the less of you will be in there. That's exactly right. More Jesus, more Jesus, right. which right. is going to be more love and that's going to be more better. Right. Which is some bad English, but some good theology. <laughs> but it is more better. <laughs> 
Oh, that is so good. So is there anything that you wanted to say about love that we haven't, well, not anything. Is there anything? <laughs> I we feel like go we've on. told, I've, no, no, I feel like we've told the love, the love uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. That's good. So what is a favorite Christmas memory or tradition you have? We've talked about, you know, some of your Advent traditions, but. I know. So here's, I think, what is sad to me in, in, um, at this stage of my life. So historically, like looking back, my favorite Christmas memory, and it was, um, it was also a tradition. It was a pattern. It was a rhythm, was the midnight or probably 11 p.m. I mean, Mm -hmm. as a kid, you just know it as the midnight service, but I think it was probably an 11 p.m. service. The candlelight Christmas Eve worship service and the lighting of the candles and everybody lifted them up at the end and we sang Silent Night and mm-hmm. we walked out into the world. Like, right, that that is a bright living memory for me um, as a child, as a teenager, just a really significant Christmas memory and rhythm and point in time. Um, you know, services now are like, in the middle of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe I am going to need to find a church that <laughs> I mean, my own church I love. I absolutely love the church that we're a part of and I and I would and I want to be there on Christmas Eve and I want to be there on Christmas Day. Um but I do miss that one that one thing. Um for sure. Okay, I do have a funny. I've one like do we have time for a funny yes, Christmas memory? Mm-hmm. So when you asked me about a Christmas memory, so my dad died when I was, this is not, the first part of this is not funny, um, but my dad died when I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. And so starting that next Christmas, my mom, we needed to do some things that were a real break from tradition. Mm-hmm. And it was because it was really hard for us to be in our own home, going through our own rhythms because they were wrong and it was dad wasn't there. Well, and everything so, is, a, is a memory. Everything holds a memory. Oh, gosh, everything every, you do, oh, every tradition. Everything. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So, I mean, the first year, like we went to Disney World for Christmas. I mean, we just did every year. We just did something different. So, so one of those years along the way, and I can't tell you exactly when it was, but I could I could drive you back to the church. <laughs> like we still we still sought out a church wherever we were. We sought out a church for that 11 o'clock worship service to do. And let me just tell you, there's a lot of churches doing a lot of different things out there in the world. And so, I mean, I remember the one that we like nearly choked to death in an Episcopal service and half the people had been downstairs in the fellowship hall having like cocktails before. It was crazy. Anyway, that's one. But the, we went to one, this uh, this little hilltop congregation in the mountains. And... um the only seats that were available were on the very front row. So there's the three of us on the very front row um, of this little church in the mountains. And um, suffice it to okay, so are you familiar with, like, yard art where there might be, like, a fairly large um, uh, nativity display, and inside each one of them there would be, like, a light bulb? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Made so, out of molded you know, like, plastic. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's what they had in the front of the sanctuary. Wow. So I know. And they're all lit up except for the baby Jesus. And at whatever time, at midnight, whatever it was, they start singing, which is clearly obviously a tradition for them. And Jesus starts pulsating. So the light comes on and then it goes off and it comes on and it goes off. So there's like this, this like pulsating Jesus. Well, Mm -hmm. my sister and I kind of like a strobing Jesus. Well, my sister and I got to laughing. And we could not, I mean, literally, oh, so our hands. One, yeah, so one of those times are, where are, you want to oh. laugh and you can't. 
you're not supposed to. Because you're so in the front row. Th- right. So then you laugh harder. <laughs> yes. And you're provoking each other because you're right. sitting next to each other. <laughs> so we have our hands, our heads in our hands, like uh, like we're bent over. I mean, like, and we are both laughing so hard. We're snorting. I mean, it is bad. It is bad. And there's the singing and the pulsating Jesus. And my poor mother is just horrified. She's just horrified. Anyway, that is a very, very strong memory to me, the pulsating Jesus. (laughs) I can see why that would be a very strong memory for you. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. So what, when you got, this is something I've been asking people lately. When you got up in the morning on Christmas morning, could you mm-hmm. open up presents or do your stocking? Like, what was the rhythm for your family Christmas morning? So we always did a gift on Christmas Eve. Um, it's probably just because we were, you know, like beggars. I don't know. But um, my my parents relented and we did a gift on Christmas Eve. But the gifts that were there on Christmas morning um, were not wrapped. Interesting. Yeah. So um, Paul, Paul Perot. And yeah. had the same experience when he was little. Yeah, they weren't wrapped. The Santa ones that you got on wrapped. Christmas weren't wrapped. And um, and in my family, your your best gift was probably at the very toe of your stocking. Oh, I remember the the one. Um, the I don't really remember a lot of gifts across the years, but I do remember the year we got roller skates and we put them on and we roller skated in the house. That was really fun. <laughs> um, and um, and I do remember the year that Luddy crawled out of the stocking he was our little puppy that we got oh yeah that's a really profound memory yeah luddy is uh, ludwig von schmittenhofer the fourth fowler he was a very long name <laughs> but he went by luddy <laughs> that's cute what a great that's like the quintessential christmas morning having a puppy that's right come out of a box Absolutely. or a stocking it was awesome how about you uh, we would open up uh, pajamas on Christmas Eve, oh. and then everybody would put on their new pajamas, which is a tradition I continue. And then Christmas morning, we could do our stocking, and then we would have to wait for my mom to get up, and actually we would go wake her up, and she would do everything at the last minute. So she probably didn't go to bed until one or two, and of course, I was up at six. I was the youngest. I was up at six trying to wake her up, and so we had to wait for mom to get up. And make coffee and get all ready. And so, you know, and we're sitting there and I'm like basically bouncing on the floor ready to open up my gifts. And then, um, and I have three sisters. So the all six of us, my mom, dad, my sisters and I would go in and then open up our, all of our presents when everyone was in there. So, but we had to wait for mom to make the coffee, which always felt like torture. And then my grandma's house, when we do presents there, they wa- we did dinner. They had to wash the dishes and then we could open <laughs> gifts. <laughs> I just felt mean. <laughs> yeah, that's when you're like, I'm advocating for paper plates. Right, and exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. China's overrated. Totally. <laughs> I love it. This has been really fun. Thanks for including me. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. This was so great. And I'm hoping that people will, it'll just be an exhale and a moment to to rest and really think about this theme of love. And And you've brought it so beautifully alive, too, out of scripture. So thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Again, thanks for inviting me. Well, thank you for joining us today. If you missed any of the past podcasts and want to go back and listen, you can find them at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, we find ourselves at the last week of Advent and looking forward to Christmas. As you walk these last few days toward Christmas, I hope you experience the hope, peace, joy, and love that has come through that baby in the manger. Merry Christmas. Oh, come, oh, 
Rejoice, rejoice.